0: Oh, hey there. Hi there, podcast listener. Welcome back to another episode of the Primary Care, uh, primary care Podcast. I, I, I didn't even see you there. Well, well, welcome. Uh, today, we're talking about uh, a, a fun little topic that I think you'll enjoy. A uh, pretty short episode today. Uh, but today, we have two jokes, uh, mainly because the episode's going to be pretty short. But uh, here's uh, two jokes from our listeners, uh, and you can send us jokes or messages or uh, updates or feedback at the Primary Care Pod, not the Primary Care Pod, at Primarycarepod at gmail.com, uh, and we'd love to hear from you. So, um, first joke comes from an anonymous listener. An anonymous listener says, Dr. List, did you know that the adjective for metal is metallic, but not for iron, which is ironic? I do like that. Second joke, why do teenage girls walk around in groups of three, five, and seven? Because they literally can't even. All right, let's start an episode. The Primary Care Podcast is written and edited by a family physician for an audience of other physicians, nurse practitioners, physician assistants, residents, and medical students interested in primary care topics. This is not a podcast for patients. and should not be used as medical advice. This is also a personal podcast, producing my own time and solely reflecting my personal opinions. Statements of this podcast do not reflect the views or policies of my employer, past or present, or any other organization with which I may be affiliated. Thank you for listening to the Primary Care Podcast. I'm Dr. Mark List, here to bring you the latest news, guidelines, and updates from primary care sources around the globe. Keeping it under 15 minutes long because you're in a hurry and I'm not that smart. Well, come back, pod girls, pod boys, pod people to the Primary Care Podcast. It is your boy, Dr. Mark List. Today, uh, before we get into today's episode, which I'm, uh, I, I think it's an interesting topic. We'll see what people think about it. But before we get into it, uh, I wanted to give a quick PSA, a quick pitch. Um, there are many of you out there who are in small rural communities. I've heard feedback, some of you guys are in systems, some of you are nurse practitioners, primary, uh, uh physician's assistants. some of you are MDs, some of you are DOs. Um, I, I've gotten to meet many of you through text messages or sorry, email messages um, at, at listeners. And again, I thank you also for listening. Um, and I, I think it's really important that we as, as healthcare practitioners um, be leading examples of this new COVID vaccine. Because if you look at the data, Nationwide, there are a very large amount of people who are skeptical and nervous about the vaccine. And again, appropriately, um, you're talking to, you're listening to, hi, you're not talking, maybe you're talking, if you're talking, that's great, I- I'm listening through through your uh, whatever you're listening to on this podcast, but you're listening to a guy who uh, tries to be as evidence-based as possible. And I try to read all the studies and care about the data and dig into the data and show why some of the data that is being presented as something is actually not the same case. Um, and, and again, try to try to show things in a neutral light. And I've I will never be anything I will never be more skeptical of anything than this vaccine. But so far the data is promising. And if indeed the safety data is clear and the efficacy data is clear, and we are given good data for multiple vaccines, which appear to be the case, you need to. As an individual healthcare practitioner, work with your marketing team, work with your clinic administrator, work with your hospital administrator, work with your board to start producing local PSAs for your community. Because some cities say 40% of people are not going to take this vaccine, and we need healthcare workers to say, I am going to take this vaccine for you. I trust this process. I trust that it will help us get through this COVID pandemic. Join me. And we need to lead by example. And we need to be out in front of this thing because if if you're like me, you've had patients in clinic ask you your opinion on the vaccine, what you're going to think about it, what you're, what you're going to do about it. And I think that it's really important that if we're going to turn this corner and stop this pandemic and save as many people as possible from being hospitalized or even dying, that we need to be the frontline people working with marketing, doing PSAs, talking about our experiences and what we think about this. So again, a short little pitch that I think it's really important that all of you right now, before we even get the vaccine in... Really think about what can I do? What can my clinic do? What can my organization do? Email the people who can make those decisions and get involved. So with that in mind, uh, we're going to talk about a completely, absolutely, 100% different topic today, okay? So I have been on this podcast before saying that we as primary care tend to focus on really minute things that probably don't make a big difference you know we talk about relative risk and these small little absolute risks with number needed to treats in the 300 400 we get so concerned about you know cancer screens when in reality the number needed to screen is you know in the several hundred but it has a major impact but i've talked before about how valuable diet weight loss exercise and smoking cessation tobacco cessation is so incredibly important like moves the numbers in ways that all of the rest of the things that we do in medicine are, are, they, you know, are, are pale in comparison, right? Are, are, are minuscule in comparison, right? And we've talked about how small little interventions of people who smoke make a big difference. When you do anything with your patients and you recommend it, they are more likely to quit. We've talked about that, the importance and the number needed to treat there is so small to make a huge impact. Now, let's talk about this new article that came out in JAMA Open Network here uh, just a month ago um, in October 2020. Actually, it's November 2020. Wow, man, I'm up. Nope, just getting October 2020, I lied. Okay, so what it looked at, the title of the article is Changes in Cigarette Consumption with Reduced Nicotine Content Cigarettes Among Smokers with Psychiatric Conditions or Socioeconomic Disadvantage in Three Separate Randomized Control Trials. And so they combined these three different randomized control trials um, that were done between 2016 and 2019, pulled them together, and showed the data. Okay, so Number one, always be a little leery of, of studies that have to pool data together and make a big, big difference. But in this case, you really needed more people involved in these studies to show a big impact. And, and that's what they found here. Okay, so if you're like me, uh, one of the reasons why I picked this topic for this week, and I thought it really was really interesting when I read it, was the fact that I had no idea that very low nicotine content cigarettes actually existed. i I had no idea um again i've never been a smoker uh so says yeah no i've never been a smoker um in my whole life um and so i didn't even know that there were different concentrations of nicotine okay which again i probably should know that but i didn't Um, commercial cigarettes normally run about 15.8 milligrams of nicotine per gram of tobacco okay so these low nicotine versions of cigarettes have less nicotine for an addiction property, for the addiction property, but the same level of tobacco. Okay. So there were two separate, uh, concentrations of cigarettes, low, low concentrations, a middle range, which was 2.4, which was again, eight, about eight times less, seven and a half, eight times less, uh, nicotine in the cigarette than the, than the regular commercial brand. And then a 0.4, which has just an absolute fraction and I'm not going to do the math because I'm lazy, but just a fraction of the amount of nicotine in those cigarettes. And after I got my friend Google uh, to 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 tell me more, um, there are cigarettes with even lower nicotine content. So, but but in this study, they looked at the 2.4 and the .4 compared to the 15.8. So they gave all these people free cigarettes. I mean, what a great healthcare study! You're just giving people free cigarettes. Hey, smokers, here's some cigarettes. They didn't even ask them to quit right they they didn't do anything they just said they they provided no cost cigarettes for 12 weeks so for 3 months okay and all they did was track the total cigarettes smoked each week you know per day for each week for the 12 weeks okay and the the primary was the primary outcome was was there a difference between the amount of cigarettes smoked in the high nicotine middle, uh, low nicotine and very low nicotine. Okay. Secondary differences were, um, secondary outcomes were, you know, dependence severity, uh, analyzed using different, um, uh, uh, survey data surveys. Um, and so they looked at this to see if, you know, does the lower nicotine even lessen the amount of addiction that cig- that smokers have to their cigarettes. Okay. So why is this important? Well, we know that this has been hypothesized as a reason, or as a as a means to help people quit smoking. And the data on that's pretty good. Uh, you know, almost more than double the amount of people um, in some of these trials quit smoking, switching from a regular uh, going from a regular concentration cigarette to nothing. Right, double the amount of people were able to quit if they went from a low, very low nicotine content cigarette to nothing. So that's that's one reason. But number two is would they then smoke fewer cigarettes per day, which overall has better health outcomes? Now, in the study, what they found is that patients that were given free cigarettes smoked more, okay? So they went from about 17 cigarettes a day, and then in the regular content, right, when they just replaced their regular cigarettes with free regular cigarettes, they went up to 25 cigarettes per day. So again, wonderful study, get people more addicted to cigarettes. I mean, what, what an amazing job these researchers did. No, but seriously. So in the study, though, they found that when they did, uh, when they did the analysis after the study, okay, that in the the groups that had the very low nicotine content, smoked significantly fewer cigarettes per day. And again, they weren't told to try to quit smoking. They weren't told to smoke less. They weren't told to try to quit, but they just naturally smoked fewer cigarettes. Pretty interesting, right? And, and the numbers were statistically significant between both of the 2.4 and the 0.4, so the, the low and the very low cigarettes compared to the regular, but it wasn't too much of a difference between the 2.4 and the 0.4, okay? Now, if you look at the actual data and the graphs in there, clearly the 0.4 people uh, smoked fewer cigarettes, okay? But it wasn't statistically significant. Um, and the difference was, um, right, the 0.4 group smoked about 17 cigarettes a day, and the 2.4 group smoked 19 cigarettes a day. Uh, again, not statistically significant, and really, um, and you might be saying, well, Dr. Liston, you just say they started smoking 17 cigarettes a day? Yeah, so in reality, the 0.4 group uh, literally smoked the exact same number of free cigarettes as it did paid cigarettes. Um, and, and the low dose, the 2.4 group, actually smoked two and, a half, or two and a half more cigarettes a day, or about two cigarettes a day. Uh, but again, compare that to the group that was given free regular cigarettes, they, they smoked eight more cigarettes per day. Uh, so again, important to remember that free cigarettes and then they and they've uh the authors actually looked at prior research that showed that whenever you study cigarettes and you give people free cigarettes they will always smoke more because you know cigarettes are expensive and smokers love smoking so the other piece not just fewer cigarettes per day but also um addiction right how, how addicted were people and so they did this um dependent severity score called the fegerstrom's test for nicotine dependence uh this fegerstrom test for nicotine dependence scored significantly lower so again really really good and that's a that's a score it's a it's a survey that you basically give somebody when they start smoking um, or when the study started and then at the end of the study and they showed that there was a significant difference um, in the amount of dependence these patients displayed so there were also some biochemical markers they did, which is pretty boring, like breath carbon monoxide. So they had less, you know, carbon monoxide in their breath. They smoked lower nicotine um, cigarettes, and they smoked fewer cigarettes. Does that actually matter? Yeah, probably not. Not even going to talk about that. So what does this tell us, though? This is another strategy. This is another strategy. So you could. Uh, they they the, the, the brand that was, you know, made headlines about two years ago that was promoted was this Moonlight and Moonlight Menthol brand. Um, I don't promote cigarettes on this, so I don't know if there are others, um, but Google tells me there are. But lower nicotine would allow your patients, number one, to smoke fewer cigarettes per day when they, if they switched, okay? Have less dependence on their cigarettes, not only biochemically, but also, you know, uh, from a psychological standpoint. And the people in the study were not like, you know, these people had opioid use disorder. These people had significant comorbidities. They, they had many other psychiatric illnesses uh, that, were in these, that were in these cohorts. And again, showed that it didn't really matter that they were able to smoke fewer cigarettes per day. And again, with other research showing that when you smoke fewer cigarettes per day, when you have the lower nicotine um, content cigarettes, you're more likely to be able to stop smoking when you want to stop smoking. So again, really, really good data. And another tool in the arsenal. So, you know, when we talk about losing weight, we have many tools now about different diets or even little things like small calorie reductions, sm- different choices at meals. And with nicotine, we've only been able to say, well, you can do the patches, you can do the gum, you can do, you know, um, hypnosis, uh, but you can also do medications, Chantix, uh, Webutrin, that work really well for some people, and and definitely are are better than any of the other options. But this is another option for people who have failed multiple times. And again, your average smoker takes thirty attempts before they can quit, which is another stat to always you know show out to encourage people that they can quit, it's just gonna take them a lot of effort um, and a lot of lot of tries. But this is a tool that has been shown to double the, your chance at getting your patients to be able to stop smoking and, and stay in remission is switch them, say, okay, continue smoking, but just switch to a low nicotine cigarette. Very, very, very important caveat. These are not healthier. These, these, are, these have not shown low nicotine, low tar cigarettes have been out for low tar before that, nicotine, low nicotine. These, these ideas have been tried before and have been tested. And there is no study showing that they are better for cancer, that they are less likely to give you lung cancer or other issues. There's no, there's no study out there showing that these are quote unquote safer than traditional cigarettes. But if it allowed your patient who were at least contemplative about slowing down or quitting smoking, or were actively trying to quit but had failed multiple treatments in the past, or couldn't tolerate pharmaceutical trials, right? This is an option for them, or to at least prime them for them for you to come back in three to four months or so, bring them back in after that point when they've switched over cigarette brands, and then attempt to quit. So again, I, I again another tool in the arsenal, and quitting smoking is one of the best things your patients can do for their health. We all know that, but a a good Process that we can educate our patients. Another tool in the toolbox, an easier tool for patients that enjoy smoking and have that that process. Not just the you know psychological issue, but you know what do I do with my hands? What I'm going to go out for break with my friends that we always smoke together? Um, what do I do when I get in my car? Things like that. How do I de-stress? These are all tools then that they could still use the same tool, but then help them get closer to smoking cessation. Again, with the caveat you have to stress that these are not any healthier for them, but if they are serious about quitting, this could be a tool. So don't have them switch if they're just gonna keep smoking if they're not ready to quit, right? That's not, that's not helpful. If it helps them s- smoke fewer cigarettes per day, that might be helpful, but there's no proof that this is necessarily going to make them any healthier if they continue to smoke the same amount of cigarettes. But it looks like, based on the study, that it will allow them to naturally smoke fewer cigarettes and have less dependence and therefore be able to get off cigarettes in the long run. So again, um, hopefully this is a helpful topic for you. This was a eye-opening topic for me because I didn't even know these low nicotine cigarettes even existed. Um, And so again, something to talk about with your patients. Um, Hopefully it was helpful. And again, uh, I'm gonna sign off for this week saying uh, you don't need to stay up all night, stay up to date. This has been Dr. Mark List uh, with the Primary Care Podcast. Hit us up at primarycarepod.gmail.com. Um, Thanks for tuning in and have a great week. God bless.